Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Dawn. Welcome to the Resource Room Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here today. And let's start with just having you introduce yourself to my audience so that they know who they're hearing from today. Hey, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and chat with you. My name is Dawn Ellis. I am a special education teacher who's just finished up her 12th year uh, teaching a variety of different settings. However, this last year I've been self-contained in a middle school setting. I um, recently got my national board certification uh, this year. Pretty excited about that. I also um, have my ed specialist in early childhood education. That was um, my first love and I still enjoy um, early childhood special ed. And yeah, when I'm not teaching, I have a little five-year-old who keeps me on my toes and also enjoy uh, podcasting and blogging over at Cultivating Exceptional Minds. That's wonderful. You sound like a busy woman. (laughs) I do stay a little busy. (laughs) (laughs) And what is spectrum from early childhood, would you say, is what you love to middle school? Like what an array. It was. It it was truly a a transition during the pandemic happened uh, to make sure that my son got into school district that I wanted him to attend meant I kind of had to shift um, some things that I was enjoying to do, but um, there was an opening at that level. And I was like, all right, let's do it. I haven't done it yet. So let's give it a try. And I've learned a lot and have enjoyed it. Um, But yeah, one day I hope to get back down to those littles again. I'm sure you will. And sometimes that's good to be out of your comfort zone, try something new, see the other end of the spectrum, even like, okay, my littles that I had long ago, what is it going to look like for them later? So that's good to to see and experience. Yes, it really has been. It's been a growing um, experience and beginning to see like the community-based instruction and what transition looks like. And, you know, that beginning talks of like what adulthood should look like. I mean, those are things you always had in the back of your mind when you're working with three, four and five year olds. However, you know, now experiencing it, it it makes me appreciate it even more if I were to go back down. Yeah, exactly. It's good to see. One of the reasons that I reached out to you a while back was because I just saw several posts about taking your sick days and not feeling guilty and things like that. And I thought, you know what? I think my audience needs to hear it's okay to take a sick day. And how do you organize your sub plans and how do you kind of get ready for that so that you don't feel bad about what you're doing? And so that's what I'd like to talk with you about today. And I want to start that by just maybe what is a silly question. And that is, why do teachers feel so guilty for using their sick days? I think that teachers feel guilty because there is so much work to do to get to that point. And you feel like you're letting your students down. Like you give them so much of your time and your energy and of your like brain space throughout the day. 
and you don't want them to regress with you not being there. However, it is so important, especially since this pandemic happened, I think it's even more clear that we need our time and we need to take our time that we have. uh, And this really allows us to become a better teacher when we take those moments of time for ourselves. So whether it is a sick day or a mental health day or a personal day, I do encourage you to think about the things that we'll break down today of what to do in order to have a successful sick day and feel like the whole world isn't falling apart because you'll come back a better educator and a better support system for your students. And too, sometimes I feel like we as teachers push ourselves and push ourselves and keep going and going. And then you're just sick longer, probably, because you never take the time to rest. And I always feel guilty about using my personal days. I know that they're there, but I've been teaching for 10 years and or I just wrapped up my 10th year. This is the first time that I've used a personal day this year. Yeah, I totally see that. And I don't use a lot of my personal days. So I'm preaching to the choir about that one. I think the only time I've used my personal days on purpose was maternity leave. Mm. However, I have been blessed to have enough sick time that that's normally what I use. But yeah, I mean, using that time, whether it is sick or personal, um, to do things you enjoy or to truly take time to rest and recover. I know in February I had an accident and had to take off time unexpectedly. And um, I freaked out a little bit. And even my administration was like, we are fine. Like, stop. You have to heal so that you can come back. And, um, and so knowing that you put things in place ahead of time, but also equipping your team, whether you have paraprofessionals or other special educators that are in your building to know what you do or where to access things. If you're not there, if an emergency does happen, Um, or you just wake up and you're feeling like today isn't the day to go into work or you need that extra time. So, well, this year I had kind of a perfect example of the emergency situation, kind of like you, not, not nearly as bad, but my daughter had to have her appendix out. And so you, we left school and she had been sick for a couple of days and I kept writing it off, writing it off. Well, really over the span of a week, three times she had complained. And finally I'm like, Aubrey, I'll just take you to the doctor, whatever. We go to the doctor and he's like, you need to get her to the emergency room like now. It's her appendix. I think they need to come out. So then you drop everything. So I left school at lunchtime and saying, I'll be back. Nope, I wasn't. And then that was a whole week of being out of school with her. And so it's like, part of me doesn't care about school because your baby is, you know, literally having emergency surgery. And then part of you feels guilty and you shouldn't feel guilty about things like that. You know, we're moms first or, you know, wives and family first, not teachers first. Yeah. And I think that sometimes as young educators, they're not many times they don't have family or I didn't have a family when I first started or I wasn't, um, you know, married at that time. And so I think that, you know, it becomes our like passion, our focus. We want to be so good at what we're doing and we want everything to look so perfect and be so perfect. Um, and so sometimes it's really hard to, once we're so involved in it, to, to take a step back. And I know that the pandemic really showed me that 
um, taking time for myself really bettered the experience for everybody, both myself, my family at home, and um, my team at work as well. So knowing and listening to your body and being okay with taking that sick time, I truly feel like allows you to, to grow as an educator. Um, but it was something I had to learn. It wasn't something that I was just like fresh out of school and like, I can take all my sick days. Cause I felt like my first couple of years, like I couldn't take them because I was so terrified of being non-renewed and not brought back because like in your internship, I don't know about you, but like they scared us to death. Like you had to come to school sick. You had to come to school you know, if there was any kind of catastrophic event, like you better not miss a day. And I think you kind of go into your first few years with that mentality. And to your first few years, you don't even have your life together sometimes for your day to day, much less a sub or a stranger to come in and do it for you. So that even makes it harder. And maybe with some years of experience, it's like, "Mm, now I know what I'm going to have a sub do. So what kind of information do you leave for a sub? How do you organize that? That could be a very overwhelming task. And even in my years, I've done it differently and some things work a little better for different things that I'm doing. And so what does that look like for you? Yeah, I can definitely see, depending on the type of caseload that you have and the classroom setup that you have, it may look different. If you are an inclusion and a resource teacher, it may be leaving a list of, of kids you typically pull and um, an overview of what teachers you may need to go check in on. Uh, sometimes those um, types of positions don't even get a sub. So, um, you know, knowing what is expected when you are out is probably a good place to start. But if you're a self-contained teacher, I know whether I've been in a preschool setting, the elementary or the junior high setting, I know having a list or having like a sub tub of items for a sub to come in and pick up at any time. It's kind of evergreen information, but that would include the kids daily schedules, a list of any medical and food allergies the students may have that the sub needs to be aware of, your paras schedules and know who they can reach out to if they have other questions knowing how the student gets home in the afternoons and how they get to school. If you're a one-to-one device school, having all of the students login information for different programs that they could use throughout the day. In addition to that, having a few books that are um, easily read aloud and having activities for the students in reading and math and Things that may take a little longer on the fine motor end, but aren't necessarily as in-depth academically, if that makes sense. Um, But having some different file folder games and having some cut and paste activities are great for those days. Um, I know I purchased, when I told you I was out in February, I ended up getting um, Made For Me Literacy has some sub tubs that is like a whole little like mini week unit for um there was an old lady and so they had digital activities they had printable activities and I already had that book so it was perfect um but kind of thinking like what could you have unit wise so that if you're out a day it's okay and if you're out five days you are covered and you don't have to stress did you make copies did you need this 
it's already done. And so taking time at the beginning of a school year to set up that sub tub or sub binder or whatever it is that you find works well for you. Um, and hopefully you don't have to use it. I feel like there have been years that I haven't had to use it at all. However, I was very thankful I had it this year um, when that unknown happened on a Saturday night. Um, so some other ideas, especially if you have young kids or um, are in a self-contained unit, having some Play-Doh set aside for a sub and some um, different activities that maybe they're not as familiar with that are like new and exciting. Also practicing letters on dry erase boards. I mean, just something simple, but they already have a set of the items that they would need um, that haven't been used before. But another um, good point to make in addition to having the sub tub, having a variety of materials is to use your paraprofessionals. If you're not there, allowing the sub to know who your paraprofessionals are, but also for them to be a huge asset for those days that you're out to help fill in those gaps of what you normally do when you're not there. If they are trained to cover your station um, in a rotation within your classroom or to take the data to update your um, general education teachers. So using them as a, um, as an asset is is perfect. They oftentimes save the day, whether I'm there or I'm um, out sick. But just know that you don't have to feel guilty for taking those sick days. The sick days are there for you. And you're going to come back better once you're rested and healed. Um, And so taking those, whether it's a mental health day or a sick day, you know, you can get caught back up. Even if you do feel behind on maybe what you are working on, this just allows you to um, have things in order so that it's a smooth transition for you not being there. And it then allows you to show, um, you know, your team and your class that you can, it still can work without you there. So I think having, you know, a sub tub or a sub binder, all of that, I think that's genius and makes it so that in an emergency, somebody could walk in and they literally have everything that they would need. Um, My question, I guess, you know, you talked about, you know, some health information, you talked about schedules and things like that. How often do you update that? Because we know in special education, things change. My schedule changes often. Is that just kind of retraining yourself to, hey, I changed the schedule. I've got to get this. I have a new kid. I need to put that information. How do you keep that up to date? You know, that's a good point. I think I've always up, just checked it. Uh, whenever I'm taking a day when I know a scheduled day I'm going to be off, that's always something I just kind of look through and make sure. Because, yes, I think that your beginning of the year schedule, you know, I don't know about you, but I normally change it at least 10 times, like the first <laughs> month of school. Um, <laughs> So knowing that you may have to tweak that, and I've also received new students, and so having to also add in that information. So yeah, taking time, whether that's, you know, at the time when you do your progress report, so quarterly, um, just to make sure things are still updated, um, or, you know, on those days when you're already scheduled out, making sure you're kind of updated 
um, then so it doesn't catch up with you on those kind of emergency times. So I think you've given listeners a really good idea of what they could do sub-plan wise. And I didn't run this by you before we press record. So I hope it's okay to ask, what do you do about meetings or, you know, conferences, things that come up? Because that's when my kids get sick is when I have all these meetings or a day where, you know, it's an initial conference and it's a big one or, you know, whatever. That's when my kids get sick. What do you do about kind of the the guilt that might come with either missing or rescheduling? What does that look like for you? So sickness happens. And yes, it oftentimes happens in the most inopportune moments. Um, but I think when it comes to meetings and having appointments where we have to be prepared, I think making sure that we have a lot of those things done ahead of time and in the computer so that if you're not there, the meeting can still go on um, smoothly without you there. So I know when I set up these meetings, I make sure and put in like the Google invite invitation to the team. I assign the roles and I make sure that things are already in the computer so that when we get to the meeting, you know, we're discussing what we need to discuss, but a lot of the um, checkbox, some of the information that you can already auto-generate um, is already in there so that the meeting is going as smooth as possible. So trying to prepare as much ahead on the front end so that if you, if things do happen and you're not able to attend, someone can slide into that special education teacher role and still hold the meeting because they have the data, they have the record of access and the minutes ready, and they have someone to take the minutes because you already assigned it in the Google um, calendar in invite. And so having it prepared that way to where they're not scrambling and already feel like, I don't know what I'm doing because I just got thrown into this, but it's like, okay, I'm here. Here's everything laid out we can go through this and as a team make this decision, even though this one person isn't here. Also too, you know, we've said several times COVID has changed the way we do things. Now, if say I have a sick kid, I could still tune in virtually. And then if all that information is there, like it should be, then you really can just, you know, go on as you typically would. And maybe it's just a matter of kind of swapping roles. Like, Hey, you're going to be there in person. I'm going to be virtual. I'll say my piece, I'll do whatever, but can you handle X, Y, and Z because I'm not going to be there. Um, so that even has been a, a nice thing about COVID is that it's allowed those meetings to kind of happen virtually or even people who service multiple schools, they can stay at their other school, but still tune into the meeting. And so maybe that will help with some of this too, the norm or the stigma of not being at the meeting for sure. I think that has definitely allowed um, more doors to be open. I mean, I feel like I always ha I had a lot of teachers or parents call into meetings when they couldn't be there in person, but having the virtual option for teachers and for parents really allows, it guarantees that more people attend the meeting, uh, whether that's related service providers or um, other components of the team that may not could always be there uh, when it was just in person. 
Right. It does make it a little easier or even a, I'm going to hop on and I'm, I'll share about my service or, or whatever, but I do have another meeting or something like that. It has made it much easier. So a lot of what you're saying is, you know, take time for yourself. Don't feel guilty about that. What are your thoughts on utilizing, you know, spring break, fall break, winter break, things like that, where we can't always turn our teacher brain off? What are your thoughts on using that time wisely for one reason or the other? Maybe it's for school related things or for relaxing and being ready to go back when school starts. <laughs> yeah. So I think like before COVID, Dawn would tell you like use spring break to organize your, we have all of our IEPs in April and May. So like using spring break to get everything ready or write your IEPs. Um, so that you're ready for when you come back and you have testing and you have IEPs and you have, you know, all the things happening. Um, however, post COVID, I feel like I have really taken my breaks to enjoy my family and know that work will be back. It'll still be there when I get back and I try not to work. Now I will say, I think I can't remember if I recorded a TikTok recently or maybe it was a, a podcast episode I did for my own show, but it was just, I was saying like, you know, it'll all still be there. Um, but taking time to work on it throughout the school day or maybe one or two days a week, you go in early or you stay a few minutes late. I'm not talking hours, like don't stay till, till dark 30. Um, however, you know, I'm not going to say that throughout the school year, I don't work at night or at the weekends because a lot of like this year, all of my IEPs were supposed to be held in one week. So trying to get all of that in scheduled, you know, um, everything completed, it was impossible to do that all within my contracted hours. So I was having to work a few late nights or on that weekend before all of these meetings happen, those times do come. And I'm not saying don't do that. And whenever we go back to school, there's probably a weekend that I'll be up there before school starts or the weekend, you know, once school gets started, I feel like I still have to get a few things done. Um, so I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Just use it sparingly and use your breaks to enjoy your time. Because honestly, you're not getting paid for that time. And that's the time for yourself. Read a book that you enjoy, or maybe read a professional development book that may help you for the upcoming year, but do something you enjoy or something that's going to better yourself. Because when you head back to school, you have time to work on those other things and get the things done. I couldn't agree more. And I think too, long ago, I would have said, go stay after school. I actually remember my first few years of teaching, my husband coached middle school basketball and I loved that because then I didn't feel guilty about like my kids staying at daycare or me staying at school. And so school would be out at three o'clock or at that, that time, I think it was two 45. So two 45, three o'clock, whatever that was. And practice was till five 30. And it was like, I had two and a half hours. That is ridiculous. You know, now I can't even think of like now it's my contract track to time is over at three 30 and I have a kid to drop off at three 45 somewhere or somebody to pick up at four o'clock. So I can't even imagine having that amount of time, you know? 
but we ha- but we do it to ourselves. And so really what I was doing was making so much of what I was doing every day harder. We have to work smarter, not harder. We have to find a system to make it work. For sure. I think that that is um, a common saying around our um, classroom is, I mean, whether that's setting up systems in place to make your room work smoother, or if that is, you know, delegating things out to your parents and it's not as perfect as you would want it, you know, but it's something that it's less for you to do or, you know, not staying as late and it's not as perfect in your mind as you wanted it to be, but working smarter, not harder really allows you to just like let some things go. (laughs) I wish listeners could have seen your face when you like cringe at (laughs) delegate just that word. It, I'm getting better. I don't know about you, but I'm getting better. But it is hard. It and it's just who I think who we are as people. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sometimes like, oof, okay, it's fine. fine everything's fine. <laughs> it'll work. It will. It'll be fine. So, Don, do you also teach extended school year? So I don't do it every summer. However, this summer I am teaching ESY uh, just for a few hours. And so it allows me to have a few hours with students um, each week. And it still allows me to have most of my summer to do as I need to or have a break. Um, And so the extended school year, I found activities are a little more like hands-on and creative while still maintaining some of the functional academics so that there's not that big slide or regression over that eight or 12 week period before you start in the fall again. So what does that time look like for you? How do you structure it or what kinds of hands-on activities are you doing with your students? So it depends on, you know, how I guess the IEP is written and what the areas are that the student needs to focus on. Sometimes, you know, it's for language or like I've had some students like working, we were working on sign language. Some are working on like reading fluency to where we don't lose a lot of that phonics and functional sight words that we've learned throughout the year. And so continuing to work on activities or environmental print that helps us to um, bridge that over into the next year to where we are reading more sentences and not having to start back over at square one. Or maybe it's the math and, and working on number identification and the computation and keeping those foundational skills um, as a constant so that as we introduce more um, complex um, math skills, the students know those foundational skills to help them problem solve. So some of the things that my students enjoy doing during EYS are escape rooms. Um, And so there are some escape rooms that I've built out for the summer and they have reading, they have problem solving and puzzles, they have some math, they have some riddles. And so Having a variety of different activities that we're moving through constantly allows them to stay on their toes. They feel like they're playing a bunch of games and not necessarily learning while still keeping all of those skills in check and making sure that they are still reading. They're still doing their math. They're still using a lot of their um, problem solving skills to answer questions 
Um, and so that's one way that we have um, really had fun in extended school year. Another way is to have fun with board games. There's a variety. I did a blog post last summer and I can get you the link, but there's a variety. There are 10 different games or 14 different games that we've used as um, in the classroom. And it allows us to use so many different language, academic and social skills. And whether it's a one-on-one with a student or it's with a small group of students, it builds so many skills all at the same time and they're having so much fun doing it and then also having a um, variety of task cards or file folder games so whatever those skills are that they're really targeting for the school year this allows them to practice them whether it's in a workstation kind of format or it's just in a center rotation but it allows them to quickly complete a task, get assessed, and see if they're on the right um, path or if we need to tweak and maybe reteach and go over some information, but also allows them to keep some of those skills that they've been working on for a while and maintain them. I love both of those ideas, especially the escape room. So I have questions more for myself as a buyer. What like reading level or what kind of level would you recommend? You know, if you're doing middle school self-contained, what what level are they reading or working at? What kinds of things are included, I guess? Yeah. So the escape rooms that I built out are actually all adapted. So they have pictures with they're they're simplified text. So it's not anything that is going they should be able to read it independently. Um, however, they have the pictures, the symbol-based pictures as well to use as cues. So I, I would be, feel comfortable using it with, you know, elementary or middle school or maybe even life skills in the high school level. Um, and so, you know, there are some word problems with addition and subtraction, but there's also like color, certain pictures, certain colors and counting them all up to where you're graphing a little bit. But they don't even realize they're doing all these maintenance skills because they're just trying to solve the um, problems to get to the next thing to um, to finish the escape before the timer runs out. I love that because I have often thought maybe I should create like, you know, escape rooms were such a thing for a while and really still are on TPT. And so it's like, I wanted to create those, but I'm like, I see so many levels of kids. How would that work? So if you've done that, I will be checking that out for sure because I think it's needed for even, you know, not only summer school, but even it's the week before Christmas and you're looking for something that is academic yet, you know, still fun or still engaging to them, keep them occupied. So that's wonderful that you have those. Yeah. And so I I actually created them during um, COVID, you know, pandemic times and Um, So there's actually like the printable version and there's an online version inside of like a a website platform to where they can go through it all digitally or they can do it. You can print it all off and do it that way. So just kind of knowing what your students needs are as well, or, you know, if they are a little more high functioning, they probably could do it independently digitally, whereas some students may need a little more support and having it printed and going through it with a more adult support may be appropriate. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's important for summertime 
both you and the students still need a break, but you also still need to reinforce some of those skills so that you don't lose them. And I think that's a great way, or even using board games to make those fun and engaging while you're slipping in that academic review that they need. Yes, exactly. And I think that it's even having it as a reward. They feel like they're just playing a game, but really they're learning sequencing and they're learning, you know, conversation points and they're learning, you know, um, a variety of like WH questions to ask and answer. And so like, they didn't even realize that like we're checking off all these boxes of things that they're doing. However, they're just playing games. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that is wonderful. I love it. So those are just some of the things that I do uh, for extended school year. I have an extended school year bundle that has a lot of the different activities that I have used over the years from tracing activities to that um, escape room and a variety of different task boxes. So um, you can definitely check that out if that's something that you're doing this summer um, and in need of some activities. Yes, that's wonderful. Even depending on like when this airs versus when people get out of school, some people like myself are already out. Um, But even things to send home, would any of that be good things to send home for summer review? Yeah, I have these um, independent packets that are actually great for summer review. And they are very straightforward and um, a lot of cut and paste activities but it's, you know, matching coins or coins to values or reading simple passages and answering WH questions, things that um, just kind of keep things maintenance and they're great just to print and go and you don't have to think about it, but they have, and there's, I think three different levels. So depending on the level of your student, you're able to either push them a little more or maybe just kind of work on those um, basic skills. Speaking of things that you sell on TPT, how about as we wrap up, you kind of share where can listeners find you and then what will they find when they get there? Sure. So you can find, I have a blog uh, and also a Teachers Pay Teachers all uh, cultivating exceptional minds. And there you will find a variety of curriculum, math, reading, science, and social studies for elementary and middle school learners. Uh, I also have some social skills activities, the escape rooms that we mentioned earlier, along with task boxes, over over 200 activities or downloads that are available in my store. Um, I also have a blog that is full of um, activities and ideas for you as a special educator, whether you are a brand new teacher or a veteran teacher just looking for some new skills. Um, I also have a podcast, Be the Exception Podcast, with weekly episodes that Um, I interview teachers as well and uh, also talk um, on solo episodes that break down and give you bite-sized PD um, in a quick way to help you implement them in your classroom. And I also have an Etsy shop, um, the Stick Out Design Co. It's all linked to my Instagram that is Cultivating Exceptional Minds. But the Etsy shop has special ed teacher um, stickers and t-shirts and mugs uh, for you. Um, so they're perfect for the back to school season or all year long. Um, so yeah, that's where all you can find me. Wow. You weren't kidding. When I said you were busy, you were hiding all kinds of things in there. That you do. Yes. You are a busy woman. Yeah. I sometimes, yeah. But I, when I take my breaks, like I'm real serious, like I don't even bring my computer with me. And so sometimes people email me. And I'm like, sorry, I'll be back Monday. Like, yeah. 
Yep. And it'll all still be there when you get there. Like it'll be fine. Yes, that is absolutely wonderful. And not to just keep going on about being busy, but I think too, that is maybe even a bigger reason why you have to be prepared for things that are going to happen. Because when you are, you know, you are doing a lot, you're going to be sick or you might have to take days off for other obligations and things like that. And so it's good to be prepared. Yes. Take some time, pencil it in at the beginning of your school year to make sure and Put some things in place so that if you are out unexpectedly, you will thank yourself later. Yes. Um, and it doesn't all have to be perfect. It doesn't all have to be cutesy, sub-tub, like, beautification. Like, put it in a Google Doc. Have it that is sloppy but effective. And that is okay. And then if you have more time to prettify it, prettify it, then do it. But if you don't, it's okay. Right. You know? Right. I think that's something I'm learning later, you know, like later in life, I'm just realizing that like, it's okay to just get something out there and then do all the pretty things later. Yes. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me this morning, Dawn. I've enjoyed talking with you. And I think that this is something teachers need permission and a plan for how to use that their time off, whether it's personal or sick time, whatever it is, teachers need a plan for that. So thank you so much for being here with me today. Yes. Thanks so much for having me, Amanda. Thanks so much. All right. I'll talk with you later. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.